Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to That Christian Geeky Couple. From uh, Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. And Instagram. And she is eating something over there. Uh, it's like uh, some sort of cookie. Butter and coconut oil. Ah, very uh, nutritious. And she's just finished the of uh, Life After Mercury. Almost done with the second draft, too. The way I write. And we went to a writing retreat yesterday and finished. And I, I got in 3,700 words during the uh, retreat which uh, period, which went on about three hours. I got about 800 words, but I also nearly got done. <laughs> I also nearly finished my manuscript. I didn't have much more than that left. Yeah, I turned on Write or Die, which is a program that will uh, prompt you to write a lot of words. She edits over everything as uh, she writes it, so it's... My brain sometimes just stops and won't go forward until I fixed it. Yes. Um, at any rate, um, we're going to now turn to our the programs, and we have the flash and potential energy. And uh, we'll go ahead and slice this up kind of like we did Supergirl and uh, talk about the various plots. And there are quite a few, and the main plot is the flash versus Turtle Man. And of course, as always, spoilers ahead. And I was excited about this because Turtle Man was the first uh, uh, villain that Barry Allen as the Silver Age Flash faced in comics all the way back in Showcase number 4. The comic that launched the Silver Age of superhero comics. So it was exciting and they managed to update the character and really make him a formidable villain for the Flash. I had never heard of the turtle a day in my life. But he was a pretty cool concept. Yeah, this idea of the slowest man alive. And I do wonder how much he would have been effective against uh, Zoom because... Um, that seemed like a bit of a misnomer to me. It seemed like he moved at normal speed. It's just he made everyone else slow down. Yeah, but his general overall pace was slow, and that was true back in the comic. Uh, he had the ability to slow uh, Barry down. And, of course, that's what made it so uh, formidable back in the 1950s. Um, I, I, he did play against the Flash really well. I do wonder how effective uh, his powers are, would be against Zoom, um, obviously, uh, there's a question as given the end of the episode and what happens to Zoom, I mean to Turtle, which we'll discuss in a little bit. Um, there's a, you know, there's a question about how his powers will be able to be used, but given that Barry is not quite so fast and was able to, um, 
uh, stop uh, the turtle, I I do wonder what they would have done against Zoom. That would have been interesting anyways, uh, Zoom and the turtle. Yeah, particularly if he just wasn't expecting it. Now, our B plot, and I'm going to let Andrea have the first word on this, is Patty and Barry. (laughs) What's that supposed to mean? Just... Okay. Well, I I thought that it was actually pretty well played out. Um, I think it dealt with the question of... um, um, yeah, uh, do you tell a woman or not? Um, I, I think that, I think too, it was, point was being made that things were getting more serious. And really, he was approaching the point where he was, was going to have to tell her. And he started out to tell her. And it, it did raise some questions. I mean, particularly since, uh, the turtle ended up taking her because he assumed that, uh, she was the most precious thing to the Flash without her actually knowing the identity. So it wouldn't keep her uh, safe at all. But I thought she did a good job in that moment where she was talking about um, they had had fun, but she wanted to go beyond fun. And, you know, it was one of those things that's beautifully written. It was a speech, but it wasn't written so that it sounded like a speech. It was really sincere. And I think it was, uh, you know, it was very, uh, thoughtful and thought provoking. And I think that you, uh, you really are in a tough situation as a superhero. You can't go around having, you know, just casual relationships because people's hearts do get involved and you do get to that point where you have to reveal the truth um, or else. It does raise the question of at what point when you're involved in these type, those type of relationships, you're in a great danger of accidentally telling your future ex-girlfriend. Sometimes um, ex-girlfriends can be kind of backstabby, and you kind of you have to you kind of have a balance. It kind of really what I would think would behoove the superheroes to be very intentional and marriage-minded in their uh, romantic relationships, simply because you are uh, the longer you don't tell her, the more likely you are to lose her. But if you tell her and it, you still blow it up, now your ex, now your angry ex girlfriend knows. Yeah, and um, he already has that with the one um, ex girlfriend who was captured by Zoom, which you know certainly does place um, everyone in danger. Of course, the episode does end with Patty going off to study to be a CSI, um, which is. Um, which means she may end up coming back to the series at some point because actually in the comics, Patty Spivet uh, was uh, Barry's uh, lab assistant. That's how she was introduced in the 70s. And even in the modern comics, she works in the same Central City lab. Our C plot is Wally West and uh, Joe and how uh, the reunion played out between Joe and his long-lost son, Wally. 
And I thought that it played out pretty uh, as a very interesting plot because you could really see things from both characters' perspectives. Well, he's being a jerk of a huge chip on his shoulder. It's like, did it never occur to him? It wasn't his dad's fault. It's his mom's fault. Well, the thing is, though, even though it's his mom's fault... He he, ought, if he ought to be angry anything, anyone. He should be married, mad at his mom, not his dad. The thing is, though, his mom is dying. He's losing her, and he doesn't want to oh. be... Honey. The fact that she's dying does not make her perfect and suddenly a saint. Right, but it's that still her, she's still res- called, responsible for her actions. Blaming the parent he has left is just dumb. Well, she she's not died, and he knows her and loves her, and so to blame her is is something. It's not. It's not really. I would not even call it blameless. It's. I would call it holding the correct person accountable for their actions. He's blaming his dad. He would not be blaming his mom. He would be correctly identifying her as culpable for her actions. Well, I bel- I I agree that she's wrong. That he's wrong. If he would do that. I'm sure he would be more likely to correctly recognize who has made this mess. He would be find forgiving easier. When that versus blaming it's just bitter and angry and it's destructive well and you have to wonder what she had told wally about his dad um his whole life as well um i i don't i mean i think wally is wrong but i can understand why he is wrong and where he's coming from and being wrong and at the same time you definitely feel for joe and this is something where uh it comes from the fact of all we have seen of him and we know that the very idea that he had a son who grew up without him just has to be eating this guy alive and to find him not open or not receptive, it's a very difficult thing. But I think Joe definitely still does show wisdom in the end. Joe definitely needs to forgive himself too. That's going to be kind of a t- that's always the toughest person to forgive yourself. Very true. And then we get on to the D plot with uh, Caitlin and Jay and their kind of budding relationship and also what we learn about Jay and the effect that his life is in peril because of losing his speed. Um, and I, I really like the aspect of the show. That was annoyingly vague. What do you mean annoyingly vague? Just what I said. They were very vague about what was wrong with him and why and why losing his speed was killing him. Well, it's it's definitely it would have to cause some metabolic problems. They weren't even clear on whether he had another condition that he needed his speed to compensate for or to stop from killing him, or if it was the speed losing loss of the speed itself that was causing him to slowly die. Well, I can. It was very unclear to me. I, I can understand where you're coming from. It was kind of vague on that point, but I can definitely... Kind of, it was clear as mud. Well, the thing is that it's not a science uh, or medical textbook, and all they could really insert is kind of technobabble anyway. Um, 
I could definitely see how losing the speed could cause problems because, you know, if you're the speedster, your body has undergone some, you know, transformations in the course of uh, having access to the speed force. And losing that after your body's uh, has had those transformations, uh, I could see it not just going back to normal, but being in a situation where it, your body would actually decay. So I kind of see that beyond the science of it. And I mean, really, all they could throw at us, Andrea, would be technobabble. Um, um, it's, it's not simple science when you're unclear on whether he, whether the fact that it's he has a separate condition or if it's a speed issue itself that's going him. I, I I interpreted that it was the speed issue, but certainly we might get some more clarification. They could have perhaps been clearer, and they may get clearer. As I said, this is the fourth plot, and so I, I think they wanted to be very efficient with it, and it was. And what they showed throughout the episode, I think, was a very sweet sort of romance developing between uh, Caitlin and Jay. And you definitely care about those characters. And it does give me hope that we will see both Barry and Jay as the fla- as flashes before the season's over. It would, I guess it would be interesting after they've built everything up about Jay to see him actually in action. And to see how he compares to Barry. Yeah, because, I mean, I think what they're obviously trying to do with helping Barry in his speed, that hopefully they will find some way to help Jay. And the final big plot point is is Dr. Wells, um, and he's dealing with the um, impact of uh, Zoom. And I, I think that there were some interesting... Uh, things about his plot this week you uh, one thing I thought was a standout scene is you had a comparison of Earth one and Earth two where um, you know he was in the van and he was chiding Cisco for his silly names and um, he um, Cisco said oh yeah well who came up with uh, with zoom and uh, you know, Wells just gave this magnificent monologue about how Wells slaughtered all of these police well, officers. Wells gave the monologue about Zoom, about how Zoom had slaughtered all these policemen. And it gave you a sense that this was a darker world. And he's essentially a character really on the edge, not, you know, in the outright evil sense but willing to do anything to get his daughter back which at the end of the episode ends with him um killing the turtle whether this is so that he can study um the turtle's dna on his own or whether it's because he doesn't think the turtle's enough and he actually expects to keep the deal with zoom and doesn't want team flash to have a way to do it we're really left with some great questions and the character does continue to be uh interestingly written in the deal with zoom i have to say he definitely strikes me as 
that would be a last resort actually going through with it. He would prefer to do it in a way that does would not. He would prefer to get Zoom in a way that does not involve turning over the flash. Yeah, and I, there, there is, he is this. I think that they've done a good job distinguishing him from the Doctor Wells we had last year because this one keeps everything close to the chest, doesn't like to work with anyone. And there was an interesting scene where Cisco, interesting moment where Cisco got upset about it, about it, which gives you a hint that in some way Cisco still misses that sort of collaborative relationship that he had with the old Wells from the previous season. Yes, sometimes you get the feeling he, the way he feels is, oh, now I see what you really thought of me with this Wells. Because this Wells is a little bit more up, you get the impression that he's being a little bit more upfront about how he honestly feels about people. Well, I mean, and uh, what we got last year, year wasn't so much the feeling of Wells, but the feeling of Ebard Thawne, mm-hmm. um, which... Yeah, I think that's a point that a lot of people keep forgetting, that the... Um, Earth when Wells was murdered before we ever met him. This is, of course, the real Wells, not um, Eobar Thorne impersonating Wells. And, of course, uh, we'll be seeing Ebard Thawne next week. Well, we're going to, in our next podcast, is going to be very Doctor Who-centered. Um, but um, uh, we won't be having much Doctor Who in 2016, Except for what you see on the CW. And of course, we're talking Legends of Tomorrow. Doctor in distress. Bring it back now, we won't take us. Yes. Or, unfortunately, we will have to take less in Legends of Tomorrow. Um, Rory. Yes. Arthur Darville, a.k.a. As you heard, Rory stars as Clara impersonating the Doctor. <laughs> okay. Now we got Rory impersonating the Doctor. He plays Rip Hunter. Is not a time lord. He's a time master who steals a space time machine. And as one fan, as one fan site uh, pointed out, his coat kind of reminds us a little bit of uh, a coat David Tennant once wore when he was. I was going to say, which doctor is Rory uh, emulating? It looks to me like a combination of the Tenth Doctor and the War Doctor. Um, now, of course, to be clear, Rip Hunter actually predates Doctor Who by a good bit. A few years, anyway. But the show is clearly written to play into the strength of American Doctor Who fans, which is certainly a great fan base. And and I don't mind them uh, pandering to us a little bit. Doctor in distress. Okay, we'll talk about that in the next... I'm just being goofy, don't worry. Okay. He goes back and he grabs uh, eight... Uh, villains and heroes to take them on a mission to stop Vandal Savage from achieving uh, power and taking over the whole world in 2166. And the Savage came back 
the very next episode, the savage came back. You thought he was a goner, but the savage came back. He just wouldn't vandal away. Yes, uh, Vandal Savage was dead, but he's better now. And he takes over the world. And so, uh, here's the list of people that he recruits, telling them that they are legends. The Adam, Hawkman, Hawkgirl, Firestorm, which is uh, two people, Martin Stein and Jefferson Jackson, Captain Cold, uh, and Heatwave, Flash villains, and White Canary, the only character that we actually hadn't seen um, on the Flash, but had been on Arrow, and takes them uh, back in time um, to... uh, get some uh, background on Savage from the only living expert on it. So, overall, I thought they did a pretty good job. It's a tough series because you have so many characters going on around and so many that they're introducing. What I thought was pretty clever, though, is that they uh, generally put them into little groups to talk, and that made it a bit more manageable. And we also gathered each of them had a motivation for going and motivation for continuing to stay. Um, the uh, the Adam Ray Palmer questing, uh, quest for significance, Hawkman and Hawkgirl to actually win their, fi- their ages-old battle with Vandal Savage, um, uh, Martin Stein, just for the pleasure of time and the wonder of time traveling. Uh, Jefferson Jackson doesn't initially want to go, but stays because of the uh, value of being on a team. Uh, Firestorm and Cap- uh, or Captain Cold and Heatwave, uh, basically they're hoping to do a high sometime. And White Canary basically seeking redemption um, and um, a new life after, you know, because she too was dead once, but now she's better. This is uh, superhero television. Um, so how do you, how, what did you think about the way that they laid out all the characters and their motivations? Um, it was kind of overwhelming. The episode was a little busy. The doctor had way too many companions. I mean, um, Rip Hunter had many, too many companions. Rory! Yes. I'm just playing. I know. Okay, I'm well, just making sure your fans knew that. Yeah, well, I mean, it was busy. Couldn't be helped but by the nature of the show. But like I said... Is it still running? Yes, it's still running. Um, I think by breaking them up a bit, it did make it a little more manageable. Um, plus, you didn't have multiple plots going on, which is which is good. Um, I think you also got a good motivator for Rip Hunter. And I like the twist about two-thirds of the way in when we learn that they aren't um, legends. Not uh, yet. Well, the, in Rip Hunter's time, the reason he took them was so that they would not uh, disrupt uh, the time stream. Um, and it was interesting how they each found their own found their reason to stay. They're hoping to change the, the their um, not being all that important and become real legends. 
which I think does give the show just a very good forward uh, thrust. Um, we, we, of course, Rip Hunter is a kind of obscure character in the DC universe. Um, like I said, the only reason we're getting this is because of Doctor Who. Um, and I think he was a pretty interesting character. L the way that he grabbed each of these people out of history was... To, okay, I, I can't help it. It was very Doctor-like with a lot of class and style. We find out his motivation, which wasn't original, but I thought was... Um, um, but I thought was well told. And I think one thing that is interesting is that... They killed Amy and Melody's brother. <laughs> what I thought was interesting is that Rip Hunter, he's basically defied the Time Masters uh, to go back and change this history and stop Savage. But he's trying to avoid changing history in any other way. So he still believes, in general, in the Time Master rules, but thinks that the whole Vandal Savage thing is an exception. So it makes him a very interesting uh, like, character. It makes him a Doctor Who, that there comes a time when there's an evil that you, and you need to fight that evil no, no matter what the rules say. You don't just side with Vandal Savage because the rules say you should. Vandal Savage is clearly evil. Yeah, though he's got, though the one big difference is that Rip Hunter has got less of a uh, altruistic uh, motivation for why he's doing it than does the doctor. It's He's doing it because he's got skin in the game and that he lost his family to Vandal Savage. No, but now the doctor has lost some people he cares about over the years to some of his bad guys that he fights. But there, there is that one little... Um, the doctor stated um, original reason for getting off into the way he lives as he was bored. He wanted to go for a joyride. And he's taking his uh, stolen TARDIS home the long way around. Well, if you um, watch Heaven Send, the doctor left because he was um, afraid. Um, but um, I think that when the doctor goes out and does all this, it does tend to be for the greater good and just to help That's people. That's something I never quite understood. He left because he was afraid. Afraid of what? And he sure has run into danger a lot. Well, there can be lots of different fears. You can be afraid of... Um, Maybe he was afraid of growing up to be boring and stale like all the other time lords. <laughs> that would be a good fear. <laughs> Though that ties me into the boredom. But uh -huh. back back on the ranch with Rip Hunter here. Um, I thought it was a strong beginning. Overall, I'll give it eight TARDIS knockoffs out of ten. <laughs> what do you say, Andrea? Mm, nine. Nine. Okay. And we forgot to rate The Flash. Um, very strong uh, opening to the second half of the season. I'm going to give it a nine speedster out of ten. Hmm. I'll have to think about that. Okay. Oh. There's 
something that bugged me about the episode. What was it? Oh, rated an eight. All I don't right. want to be too predictable. Okay, so there you go. And I think a nine is pretty high. Um, and you can't just give a ten. So eight is a good rating. And uh, and we will be back with a proper Doctor Who related podcast. For now, uh, from Boise, Idaho, this is Adam. Andrea. Graham signing off. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.